This is my big thing that I talk about all the time is how do we get kids to understand that the future is about solving problems? So what's the problem that you want to solve? And then how do you, what do you need to learn to solve that problem? You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. And one of our favorite topics of season two has been leadership. Whether it's speaking directly with leaders like Rob Waldron, CEO of Curriculum Associates, about his leadership style in episode 15, or sharing the voices of tomorrow's leaders, such as the student panel at the INACL Symposium, featured in episode 18. We also like to discuss the importance of equity and access, and in fact, the main focus of our It's a Project-Based World campaign is how we can best prepare teacher leaders to foster learning environments that promote equity and access in preparation for success in an increasingly project-based world. So when Tom spoke with Jamie Cassip, Chief Education Evangelist at Google, we loved to tie these two subjects together. Jamie's a well-known education leader now, but he had humble beginnings as a first-generation American born and raised by a single mother on welfare in Hell's Kitchen, New York. He's very vocal about his beliefs around the positive impact that education can have on anyone's future if they're just given a chance, and that everyone deserves that chance. Jamie was part of the original team that launched Google Apps for universities and for K-12, now known as G Suite. And today he's responsible for working across all internal Google teams that impact education, as well as working with educational organizations around the world to help them find ways to improve the quality of education through the use of technology. Here's more from Tom's interview with Jamie at his new office in Phoenix. Jamie Cassip, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome to my office. This it's is day great, two. It's great to be here in the studio. Yeah, in it's my Phoenix, Central Phoenix. Central Phoenix. We just set this up. It's the second day that my home office is up and running, so I'm excited. You're my first visitor. It's great to be here. Jamie, in your presentations and in your social media um, inequities that that are persistent in U.S. education are really central. What, wh- why is that? Well, so, so I, you know, as you know, and maybe your audience doesn't know, <clears throat> you know, I, I come from that background. I'm a first-generation American. I was born and raised in Hell's Kitchen, New York. And so I'm a big fan and a big believer that education is a silver bullet. And so I think you know, what I get excited about is this idea that we can use technology, that we can use the web, that we can use all these great things that are coming out to create uh, opportunities for for young people. You know, I I often, uh, I get the question, like, how did you get out? And, and, you know, how did you get out of the Hell's Kitchen environment? You know, what is it that you did? And I like to pretend I'm some super genius with a 300 IQ, but the the truth is there are millions of me's out there, right? And so it's not that, um, you know, sometimes we equate uh, low, low ability with low income, but that's not true at all. There's some some people out there with some great ability and so right. for no, me it's, it's about it's widely distributed right it's just the access to it's the, it's to the opportunity right? right so it's the opportunity so i think that the the future is about opportunity and so how do we leverage technology to create opportunities for those who are growing up the way i grew up uh you're particularly interested in inquiry-based learning mm-hmm. what uh, you know compared to the as we think about the last 20 years of standards-based learning mm-hmm. We introduced measures and standards, and that was all promoted by equity, but it had some really negative consequences. So I, I hear you talk a lot about inquiry-based learning. What, why do you think that's important? Yeah, so so I sit on the board of inquiryschools.org, right? And, and so what we're focused on is creating inquiry-based models for school districts and schools and for new schools that are starting up. Uh, you know, part of what we did here in Phoenix with the Phoenix Coding Academy was to use an inquiry-based model to do that. And 
really what it comes down to is human nature, right? So, you know, we before we started this podcast, we were talking about your grandkid and my kid, right? You have a 17-month-old, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old. And nothing describes inquiry-based learning more yeah. than a two-and-a-half-year-old, right? right? It's just like from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And you don't ever take a two-and-a-half-year-old who wants to learn about a fire truck and say, no, 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 don't focus on right. a fire truck. Let's go learn about blocks, right? right? You just let them go with the fire truck. And so it's human nature to move from one thing to another thing. And I think inquiry-based learning gives you the opportunity to let students drive the learning. I think to me it's the difference between personalized learning, which is – you know, taking a curriculum and personalizing it for a person, which is fine, it works, but, you know, moving to the next level, which is personal learning and inquiry-based learning is right. more about personal learning. How, what is it that I'm interested in? How is it that I can learn? But the the hard thing is how do you tie it to the standards that we all have for education? So we've made a lot of progress in the last 10 years in blended learning where schools got connected and mm-hmm. then started to use adaptive learning to help kids learn at their own pace. But that still like a textbook often had a you know one path to sure. to mastery and what you're describing is more student-centered learning is there you see ways schools can combine those two so so a couple of things here one is you know i i've been in this space for 10 years and and i think i remember 10 years ago having conversations about whether we should be using technology in education we don't have those conversations anymore right, right. now we're talking about how we utilize it so i think we're exactly where we need to be i think it's we're at the point where we want to be able to take the technology, integrate it into what we do, and then bring education to the next level. And what I mean by that is innovation happens first by replacing current systems. So you take a worksheet and and you now create a worksheet on a, on a tablet or on a computer, and now it's an electronic worksheet, but it's right. still a worksheet. I think that where we are now is what's the next question, which is, wait, what else can I do with this? What, how else can I bring this to the next level? How can I bring education to the next level using technology? So I think that's where we're headed in the same way that we've headed that into other industries. Like you don't ever talk about your com- your computer in your car. You don't talk about your circuit boards right. in your refrigerator. You don't talk about technology and banking, right? You don't, you don't ever talk about, you just talk about banking. So I think we're getting to the point where we just talk about education. And so I think it's that transformation that happens between the old model and the new model. And one of the things that we worked on uh, last year was what we launched called the Transformation Framework. And you can find this on our Google website, our Google for Education website. And what this is, is a, a framework for school leaders to look at and say, what are the key questions that I should ask? And what are the resources that are available to get me to think about education at the next level? So, you know, it's not just technology, as we all know, it's leadership, it's culture, it's professional development. It is um, the funding models that you use. It's the professional development that you do. It's all those things. So what we built is a very interactive and very live model. We're not being prescriptive. We're not saying this is what you must do. What we're doing is we took the best of what's out there, put it out there, and said, for leadership, these are some resources. Uh, these are uh, these are some um, uh, examples. And then we're trying to hear back from the community of other examples. And so we want people to share their ideas and their thoughts so that we can create a community-based transformation framework so that school leaders have a place to go to, to figure out the how. How do I do this? It really does take uh, leadership to imagine new learning experiences and new environments and how technology can support them. So mm-hmm. I do appreciate the work that you guys have put into that leadership framework. Mm-hmm. You've had an interesting project for the last two years here in Phoenix on uh, on helping to create this Code Academy. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe could you use that as an example to talk about the opportunity in new school development? What what's that school about? Yeah, yeah. So the Phoenix Coding Academy was uh, we just opened it in, in the fall, and we're starting with freshmen. So there's about ninety freshmen in the school, and it's computer science focused, but it's not computer science driven. And what do we mean by what I mean by that is that computer science is embedded into everything that the students do. So. It is history and computer science and biology with computer science. But the projects, you know, if you talk about project-based learning or the inquiry-based learning models that they're going to be using, they're using computer science to solve those problems. So instead of creating a volcano out of a shoebox, they might be coding one or they might be creating an app or they might be doing something else in the space, doing data set and stuff, right? So so that's what uh, the school is about. So we focused, we started with 90 kids. Um, we're adding another 100 kids in, in the fall next year. And the, and the main focus of the school is the students drive everything, right? So, so for example, we didn't pick any clubs, right? We didn't create any clubs. We didn't create any after-school programs. The kids are driving it. So there's four or five kids, for example, that have taken on the leadership of creating a speaker series. And so the goal, and I'm, I'm their mentor, but their goal is to create an opportunity where big famous people like you don't come through Phoenix without speaking at the Phoenix yeah. Coding Academy, right? So every Monday or every couple Mondays or every month, however they're going to set this up, you know, we'll have an, uh, you know, in the afternoon, like four or five o'clock where the speaker will come in, they'll record it, they'll, they'll stream it live. We'll have an audience of students in the community and, and they're creating the speaker series, but the kids are driving the whole thing. So we're doing this where, where the kids are driving what the school is. And what's interesting is, you know, without even, you know, planning it, uh, all the kids get together in the morning in what's called the hub, but it's a gym and they all gather in there and it just turned into a lesson opportunity where somebody will get up and talk about a subject or, so it's like they have a big team meeting before they start the day and everyone comes in early uh, to be part of that. So, so it, you can see the, you know, it's the magic triangle of motivation, right? It's, it's the, it's that Daniel Pink talks about in drive. It's, it's autonomy, purpose, and mastery. And we're giving them some autonomy and we're seeing where it takes them. And, and the reaction's been tremendous from the community. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where Tom and Jamie Cassup of Google are chatting about technology and education. We know how important access to devices and Wi-Fi for students can be. One district that's focused on this is Santa Ana Unified, we talked with Deputy Superintendent Dave Hagland in Episode 9 of Season 1 about how they grew their device offering from 9000 to 30000 for students. So if you're interested in that district story, check it out. One of the projects Jamie also helped start during his time at Google was getting Chromebooks off the ground and into schools. And now Chromebooks make up half of the devices in U.S. schools. And with the free Google Apps for Education, they really help close the digital divide. So here's more from Tom and Jamie about bridging the digital divide with Chromebooks, as well as what's next for technology and education. I guess 25 years, the digital divide was really stubborn. You know, laptops were big and expensive, and Mm -hmm. probably the most important uh, benefit of the last few years is really the development of Google Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. Just the fact the price point went from 2000 to 200 uh, just made a, a world of difference, and then add... Google Apps for Education, and um, that that we've seen in the United States in particular, mm-hmm. um, really dramatically narrowing the uh, 
the digital divide. So mm-hmm. you guys have to be happy about the progress you've seen as a result of your work. Yeah. So so one, yes, I'm I'm proud of the team, and and it's been a, you know I've been lucky to be part of this from the beginning. And it's great to be able to put these tools in kids' hands, not just, you know, G Suite, which we're calling I still call it Google Apps, but yeah. G Suite now and 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 Chromebook. So so for me now it's okay, what's the next thing? The next thing is to really take advantage of technology to really bring education to the next level. So we've been able to put these affordable devices in, in kids' hands. Now it's the uh, the now we have an opportunity to, to not do things the way we used to do things, but to bring education right. to the next level. So that's what I'm excited about. I it's great to be able, you know, technology is one of those things where everyone has it. You know, I, I, I was in Africa five years ago and on a safari and we picked up a, a, a Masi uh, tribe man that was walking through the, you know, with his goats or whatever he had. And, right. and he's had his whole garb on and, and he pulled out a cell phone right. out of his pocket. Right. Like, like the technology has been there. It's right. how, how we use the technology that I'm really interested in. So as we think about what's next, uh, Google has really led the shift to the cloud and just recently has really become a, an AI-first company, and, and now Google is helping other organizations make that shift. It mm-hmm. sounds like you're going to spend more time in, in 2017 helping educators think about the shift to the cloud. So right. talk about that in both K-12 and higher ed. Yeah, so so I think that the, the cloud is finally mature enough where where normal people or average people can understand what the benefits are. Not you know all the details of the specific data sets and and what the, some of the tools are, but the concept of cloud computing and, and and what it can do. And so in higher education, I think that there is some huge benefit and potential for what universities can do with the cloud in, in three specific areas. One is around how they run their business, right? I, I used to work with universities a lot when we, were, when we first launched Google Apps and you know how they run their business, how they run their software, how they run their data centers. And it was always surprising when you ask a CIO like, you know, how many servers do you have? And they have no idea. Or how many right. data centers do you have? We have like 14 data centers spread out throughout the... So, so how do you run your business? How do you use the cloud as private sector businesses are using it to run their university business? So I think that's one space. The second area I think is really important is around research. You know, I don't think we do enough to provide research opportunities um, you know, access to the cloud. How can how can people at universities who are doing research in whatever area take advantage of the cloud to do their research? Right. right? So, so I think that's a second space. And then the third. That's a. I just want to yeah. underscore that. That I think is the maybe the biggest opportunity in higher ed is to connect big problems to big data sets and sure. to give researchers in every department access to really powerful tools. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking study about. Study their field in a whole new way. Right. And most, you know, and we all know researchers and, and I've spent time, for example, I was on the board of the, science, uh, of the Science Foundation here in Arizona and I met lots of PhD students and they're so focused on their specific right. area of interest. They know it inside out. They might not know anything about the cloud. They right. might not know how to take advantage of it, right? They're they're used to reading textbooks that are 10, 20 oh. years old. And so it doesn't mention the cloud, doesn't talk about the oh. cloud. So so I think that you're right to underscore. It's an important area on how we can connect research with the cloud so that we can solve problems yeah. that universities are interested in solving. And then the third space is around learning, right? Like how can universities uh, take advantage of, you know, machine learning and AI to really 
uh, connect students to what they should be learning, what they what they want to be learning, and 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 I think that's also an important area as well. So I think that we're right. at the very beginning of what's just possible. Connecting there. both AI to behavioral sciences, just sure. this, the use of smart nudges of being in somebody's grill at the right time, right? right, just right. Getting a text message at. Uh, yeah. the day you most need it yeah, and can been, make all the difference. And, and uh, around equity as well, right? Yeah. Like, 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 so part of the struggle is how do you get a kid who, who's growing up the way I grew up to graduate from high school? That's a huge accomplishment. And then the second part of that is you take that kid and you put him in a university and the world starts all over again. Right. And, and you go from being one kid in 30 in, in a class to being one in 500 in a, in a, in a, in a, in a study hall yeah. and, and you don't know what to do. And so being able to connect learning especially for, uh, for, for kids who are coming from disadvantaged communities to be able to connect with them and be able to give them those right, you know, push buttons, if you will, at the right moment is really critical. And there's been some great work in this space. You know, the University of Austin has, uh, has done some cool right. things in this space. So uh, let's, let's circle back to what this means for graduates. Um, as we think about life, uh, with smart machines, how do you think that changes what graduates need to know and be able to do? Yeah, um, so it's funny. I, last night <clears throat> we were watching. I don't know. We were watching like random television shows, and um, one of the shows that was on was um, Catfish. I don't know if you're familiar with that show on MTV, but the it's not the the point is that the the person who was highlighted in the show was an 18 year old college student, and she was asked. Well, what are you studying? And she's like, well, I, 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 I was going to get medical, but I don't like blood. And, and then I want, uh, then I thought about a teacher, but then I don't actually like kids. And, and so like she was trying to pick majors as no. opposed to trying to solve problems. Right. And I think, you know, this is my big thing that I talk about all the time is how do we get kids to understand that the future is about solving problems? So what's the problem that you want to solve? So I wanted to reach into the television and ask her, what's the problem that you want to solve? Right. And then, and then how do you, what do you need to learn to solve that problem? And I, and I think that to me is the focus because, you know, we're seeing some things about automation. We're seeing some things about, you know, machine learning and what the future holds in that space. But at the end of the day, humans can solve problems yeah. and using machines, using technology. So the focus has to be on what's the problem that students want to learn and what are the skills, what are the knowledge, what are the abilities that you need to develop to solve that problem. And I think how, that's a space. Well, how, how can we do a better job of introducing kids to, you know, the world's great problems? Well, you know, what's funny is that, I, I again, I think this is human nature. Again, back to my two-and-a-half-year-old. She's got problems that aren't very big, but right. she tries to solve them. Like, right. how do I get the contents of this crayon onto my window here, right? Like, like without getting caught. Like, she's always problem-solving. She's always yeah. taking things to, how do I get down off the bed, right? Like, we all are problem-solvers. So I think it's bringing us back to and back to what we originally talked about, which is this you know, set curriculum that we tell kids, this is what you must learn. Right. We, we take away that natural instinct to learn. We take away Good that question. natural, like, uh, uh, curiosity and we just need to bring it back. We just need to, yeah. to, 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 to right from the beginning, take advantage you, of it. You know, the UN sustainable development goals, mm -hmm. you know, hashtag global goals yeah. or globalgoals.org. I really like that framework. And I've suggested that kids in high school and college ought to have the opportunity to cycle through that framework sure. and 
And at least pick out a, and, and have time to go deep on a couple of those. Right. Well, there's some great programs um, around global learning. Right. Uh, Lucy Gray comes to mind who runs the, the, the global con- uh, conference, global education conference. And, and there's some great opportunities to learn what some of those big things are. But I also think that, you know, the problem doesn't have to be solving world hunger. The right. problem could be making cars go faster. The problem could be making more sustainable bricks. You know, yeah. you know, whatever it is that you're interested in, there is a problem behind it that needs to be solved. And, and the, I think that's the problem the we have in education is making room and time and support for kids to go deep on things sure, they're interested in. Because we have all this other stuff that we we think that they're supposed to know. And we've, we've seen the studies. We've seen the data. We know that, you know, test any teacher can test a kid on whatever they tested them on six months later and they're not going to do as well, right? That's just science. And so... If that's the case, why are we doing it that way? Jamie, I, I appreciate your, your focus on problem-based learning and inquiry-based learning uh, and, and uh, connection to equity. Um, that's been a real gift to education in this country and worldwide, and uh, we appreciate you being on the Getting Smart Podcast. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for being my first visitor. In the studio. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Thanks so much to Jamie Cassup for sharing his thoughts and expertise on the podcast, to Tom for another great interview, and to Andrew Luck for making it sound so good. Be sure to check out the Getting Smart podcast on iTunes, and while you're there, subscribe and rate us. For more on all things innovations and learning, check out our blog as well at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Megan and Kat signing off. <laughs>